Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Handel and today I want to share with you someone who is a world-leading human behaviour specialist and researcher. Dr John Demartini is an author, educator and the founder of the Demartini Method. He has a revolutionary tool in modern psychology. He has authored 40 books and has worked alongside the world's most influential people, including Deepak Chopra and Sir Richard Branson. Dr. Dimatini, thank you for being on the show and joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We had some fun getting here, but we got it. Yes. <laughs> Technology, right? <laughs> and I just would love for you, your journey has been just such a, a powerful journey that I've read and, you know, I've seen you for years on stages. I'd love for you to share with the audience what your life was like before you became a renowned human behavior expert. <laughs> well, I, in, in about two weeks, two and a half weeks, my 50th year anniversary of speaking began. Wow. So I started back at age 18 and uh, had the dream starting at age 17 to go to every country on the face of the earth and learn, read, research on on study of universal laws as it relates to human beings. And um, I set out to do that. I guess I never stopped. You know, if you do something long and everybody else dives out, you end up getting somewhere. You just got to stay with it, you know. But uh, I, I love it, and I've been doing it all these years. And I, I had a learning problem as a child. Oh wow! I, I was uh, I had to go to a speech pathologist when I was a year and a half old because I couldn't use my mouth properly. Wow! And then I had, and and first, and I also had an arm and leg deformity. I had to wear braces from one and a half to about four. Wow! When I got to elementary school, I was told by my first grade teacher. Because um, I couldn't read, I had to wear a dunce cap. No way! Wow. Yeah, and uh, the, my teacher had my parents come there and said, "I'm afraid your son's not ever going to be able to read or write, or communicate, or go very far in life or amount to much." Put him into sports because the second I got out of my braces, I just wanted to run everywhere. <laughs> so I was good at running by then because I got my legs straightened. And um, sports seemed to be my thing because reading and stuff. I didn't read my first book till I was 18, cover to cover. Wow. And, um, but I, I left school. I became a street kid from 13 to 18. I was a street kid. I, I lived in Texas and in, in the, at the beaches of, of the Gulf. Then I went and I hitchhiked at 14 to California and lived in California and Mexico by myself. At 15, I moved to Hawaii to ride big waves. So I was a long-haired hippie surfer kid. <laughs> I used to have long hair down to my waist and a beard. And wow. <laughs> I, I surfed every day, 11 hours a day if there was surf. And, um, and then I nearly died at 17. And then the recovery from that is what led me to a little health food store, which led me to this yoga class, which led me to meet Paul Bragg, who's the one who inspired me to overcome 
who, after listening to him speak, I thought maybe I could overcome my learning problems and speaking problem. Maybe I can someday become intelligent. So my dream was to be intelligent enough and contribute enough where people would have, you know, listen to me. I'd say something, they would listen because I didn't, I used to ask questions, but I never said anything. Hardly. And um, so I just had to go over and overcome my learning problems. I learned how to read when I was 18 and I failed. I, I took a GED and miraculously passed the thing by guessing. I literally closed my eyes and just went with a little affirmation. I'm a genius and I apply my wisdom because Paul Bragg told me to say that every day. And then I failed my first college class. I got a 27, not a 72. And I almost gave up. And my mom said to me while I was crying in this living room floor, she said, son, whether you become a great teacher, whether you become go back to surfing big waves or whether you go back to the streets, just want to let you know your father and I are going to love you no matter what. And I, my hand went into a fist and I said, I'm going to master this thing called reading and studying and learning. I'm going to master this thing called teaching. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance or pay whatever price to give myself some love. And I'm not going to let any human being stop me, not even myself. I went up, hugged my mom, went there and got a dictionary out and started memorizing 30 words a day in a dictionary. Two years later, 20,000 words were in my head. I started reading a dictionary and reading encyclopedias nonstop. All I did, just every time I'd get a word, I'd look it up, I'd rewrite it 20 times, I'd pronounce it till I had it pronounced properly. I'd, then my mom would test me on 30 words a day until my vocabulary grew. And started, then I started just feeding my mind. Anytime I'd read an encyclopedia, I didn't know where the word is. I'd, I'd, dic- I'd look at the dictionary and I would, I would just keep expanding vocabulary. 20,000 words later, two years later, I'm at the top of my class. Wow. And, I, and people started gathering and wanting to learn from me. And it was just, it was such an inspiration. And here I'm 50 years later, I've gotten to speak in 181 countries now and speak to billions of people in radio, television, newspaper, magazines, podcasts, webinars, and movies. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm blown away. <laughs> what, oh, what a powerful journey. It, do you know what? It just shows like, it doesn't matter where you're at in life you can achieve anything and if you believe in yourself the universe will show you the way and you just trusted in yourself and I honestly really I I totally relate with what you're saying because even for me growing up like I struggled studying I wasn't the smartest well I thought I wasn't the smartest um I had a lot of accidents like my left arm stopped working in Canada I regenerated it I had eating disorder you name it different health problems but I always believed that I could heal them but the doctors would say the opposite. Even recently, I, I self-healed from kidney disease. And the GPs were like, you're going to have this for life. And I was like, nope, I'll find a way. Read every book I possibly could. And it just shows the power of the human mind and what we can do. And you're a living example of that. And I'm just so grateful for you just sharing this today. Well, you know, I was fascinated. I had uh, a strychnine cyanide poisoning when I was 17. That's how I almost died. What? And um, yeah, it was it was a it was what I was consuming. Right. <laughs> I was very, I, uh, you know, I was trying to expand my consciousness through natural means. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't too bright. But anyway, um, all of those led me to want to understand health. Mm. So my, I went into health profession. I'm a chiropractor also, and I want to study neurological conditions. My mom had Lou Gehrig's condition. My father had Parkinson's. Wow. So I want to understand neurology. 
so I'm writing a new textbook on the brain right as we're starting. And Ooh. what's interesting is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certain, I just finished going over for five days, 1,000 health conditions and the potential psychological factors that lead to these. And I, I, I mean, I've studied, what I did is I wrote a big textbook, a thousand page textbook on, on health medicine, if you want it. And I have orthodox and alternatives and psychological, that how our perceptions affect our autonomics, affect our epigenetics, affect our genetic expressions, affect the, the encapsulation and the development of proteins and how it affects the, the body and how it causes it you know, cells to do too much or too little activities. I mapped this baby out on perceptions and subconscious historic perceptions. And I went through a thousand conditions. It was a, it's a fascinating course. It's a big textbook. And um, I'm very fascinated by the relationship. And there's too many cases of people healing that doctors are just going, well, we don't know why. It just, it just happened. It's not random. <laughs> it's a purpose. And we have... The power that made the body is the same power that heals the body. And if we can have a change in perception and change in actions, we can we can change physiology. And I've, I've seen it. I've gotten thousands of letters. And I mean, thousands of letters over the years. I've gotten in the last, I got it. I've got I get cases one to three times a week of different cases that I work with. And there's amazing transformational capacities we have inside. And that's why it's so important to live by priority and to delegate lower party things and to get on to doing what's truly meaningful that inspires you because your brain then gets the executive center going and it overrides the impulses and instincts of the amygdala and it brings homeostasis to the body and, and it allows the autonomics and even the heart. They, they found out that if you're doing something you really inspire to do and you have tears of gratitude and you get gamma rays in your brain, gamma waves, you actually have eureka moments and inspirations and when you do, the hypothalamus can't controls the autonomics, controls the intracardiac network and synchronizes the sinoatrial node to make sure that there's a perfect rhythm. And the moment you have that with tears in your eyes, your heart opens wow. and you bring order and organization and you calm down the enteric brain of gut impulses and instincts, which distract you and which most of our symptoms are coming from. So we have the capacity to heal within us if we live authentically. I really believe that all the symptoms of the body, all the symptoms of the mind, all the symptoms of our social interaction, all the symptoms at work are feedback mechanisms to guide us back to authenticity and back to being inspired by our lives again. It's if we know how to interpret what's there, but we haven't, we've lost that ability because we're using palliative care in healthcare. All of medicine is a pill to reduce symptoms, not to inform you why. If you pig out and you overeat and you have a gut that's bleh and a <laughs> nausea and you you got a face that's that's oily and and congested and sniffles and farts and stuff, you got all that. Those are not symptoms of disease. Those are feedback mechanisms of health, mm. guiding you how to not overeat. Wow. And what yeah. we're doing is we're missing. We're, we're going out and taking a pill for the antacid and pill for the anti-flatulent, pill for the antivirals, and pill for the antihistamines. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. That's not the solution to humanity. It's learning how to let people wake up and learn how not 
to peg out. <laughs> your ghrelin and leptin are imbalanced because of you're in a fear of loss of something you're seeking or the fear of gain of something you're trying to avoid. And as long as you're polarized in that fashion, your hormones are going to be skewed and you're going to be end up reacting that way. All of those, if they know how to interpret what those really are representing and are guiding you to how to wisely eat, guiding you how to live your life. But people don't know how to do that. We've lost applied physiology and psychology. We just go for a palliative care. Our amygdala wants to avoid pain and seek pleasure, so we look for the quick fix. Yeah. And we do not learn what the body's doing to guide us to live an extraordinary life. Yeah. Just It's amazing what you're saying because it's exactly... I believe in that 100% because so I so I studied journalism like in the beginning process of my life and then I, I walked away from it because negative energy, negative news. Um, but whilst I was studying journalism, I worked in a pharmacy and I was dispensing medication and I used to sit there as like, like I was 18 at the time and I used to think, why do I need, why does that person need to take one pill to then take another pill? And I would be like um, dispensing 10 medications for this one person. And I, and I remember looking at the person thinking, do they really need all these things? And I was pro-medication back in the day. Like I used to be like, yep, got a headache, take a medication. It was only till my mid-20s that I realized that actually maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I'm overworked. Maybe I don't need that pill. And it's only till walking away from that medicinal side that I realized how powerful our mind is. So there was a time where my um, right tonsil got inflamed and um, the doctor said, I want to remove it. I said, give me six months and let me see what I can do. Within six months, I healed it. And he's like, it's a miracle. Everything is a miracle in the medicinal world because they don't have the knowledge of the power of the mind. And like you said, how we can heal our body and how we can shift things. Well, a tonsil, I, I'm amazed at how many people have their tonsils removed or appendixes removed or gallbladders removed because it was a normal thing. They even tell people it's a vestigial organ, the tonsils. Lymphoid organs, don't, don't say that they're vestigial. They're not vestigial. They're vestigial in the sense that in, through the evolution sequence in mammals and vertebrates that they have shrunk, but they still have lymphoid function and they're basically micro and biome managers to the physiology. We now know that the immune system is the seventh sense and it, the immune system is not there to try to fight microorganisms. That is a farce. That's so outdated. I stopped, I, I, I stopped that promotion of that stuff 44 years ago. Because what it is, is it's, it, the immune system is feeding information to the brain to let the brain know the ratios of all the microorganisms in the microbiome for management, to let them know that we need more acid or more alkaline or more mucus secretions or whatever to keep the balance of all the organisms, because the organisms are both builders and destroyers, and they're needed in our body. And so it's managing it instead of attacking it. And that whole model is outdated. That, and, and it's still sitting in our immune system. The language needs to be redone. It's managing the microorganism. We, we are part of a bigger ecosystem, but we also have ecosystems inside us. And we can't live without the viruses and the bacteria and the rickettsia and, and the fungi and the parasites. All of them are necessary in our body. And we don't get told that. But I've been trying to say that for 44 years. I've been trying to tell people that I laughed at and laughed at and laughed at. Not today. Now in scientific journals, they now know it's the seventh sense. Look it up. The immune system, the seventh sense. It's monitoring as an introceptive system of the body. It's monitoring physiology and, and microorganisms to lead the brain. No, because our little organisms are secreting neurotransmitters and regulators to the brain. The brain is feeding it back, and they both are necessary for things, for normal physiology. They used to think that microbiomes were involved in a few different diseases. There's not one disease that doesn't have a microbiome balance 
a ratio that's now associated with it. So that almost every disease is now looked at from a microbiome perspective and they, they manage the microbiome and it's a feedback system. Our immune system is way more profound. What we've done is we've suppressed it. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, we've cut them out, cut off a lymphoid organ. The, the appendix is part of a regulatory system between the small and large intestine to make sure certain organisms are regulated going in and out of the large intestine or otherwise we absorb toxic material. Wow. And then the tonsils are there for the mouth microbiome and they, they shrink. You know, we go, well, oh my God, they're getting big. We must cut them out. No, they will shrink in a matter of days. <laughs> you know, but, but what they're doing is feeding them ice cream, which is aggravating the process in the, in the hospitals. After they cut it out, they give them ice cream. Ice cream is part of the reason why they have them. The excessive amounts of sugar and excessive amount of dairy for some of those people that are not used to eating that kind of food. I mean, it's wow. crazy what people are doing with it. And so I'm, I'm, I speak up about it because there's a whole lot you can do on your own if you just educate yourself for applied physiology and applied psychology. There's a great book out there called in, um, Immunology at a Glance by Playfair. And McKenna has another book called the uh, uh, Physiology Illust Illustrated Physiology. Fantastic educations for anybody. They ought to be sitting on your, 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 uh, your bed stand, those two books, just to make you aware of what's going on in your physiology. So you're at least now not just vulnerable to take a quick pill. The pharmaceutical industry and medicine is, is in cahoots. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. And they don't, if you go to, if you go to chiropractor, you're going to get an adjustment. You go to the dentist, you're going to get a tooth or something. <laughs> you go to a, a surgeon, you're going to get an organ removed. You go to a nutritionist, you're going to get a vitamin pill. If you go to a medical doctor, you're going to get a drug. And like you said, some of them are taking 10 to 15 drugs and no one's even paid attention whether they're contradictory. Yeah. No, it's not the pathway. It's a, it's a last resort, not the first resort. It's just amazing what you're saying. I'm just, yeah, I'm just blown away because, so I actually saved my kidney. They, they So I, I didn't find out till I was 30. I'm, I'm 35 now. And they said to me, we need to remove your kidney. I was like, no, my intuition was saying, I need to save this. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I needed to save it. Um, three different consultants said, we need to remove it. It's a kidney defect you're born with. It's a weak, they kept saying weak kidney. And I was like, no. And then I found the right consultant. And then they found out I had like um, like a crisscross at the top of my kidney for my uteropipe. So that's what they removed. And then they stitched me back up, but they saved my kidney. And I'm just so grateful that I did that and didn't. So one of the ureters was, was blocked? Yeah. So it, when I was born, some like somehow it had a crisscross in there. And my kidney itself was smaller. So just by removing that short bit is what saved me. Yeah, the kidneys start out as horseshoe kidneys embryologically, and then they start to separate into two, and they have two ureters, and sometimes they can get crisp. And so if that's a congenital anomaly, that's around the eighth week of fetal development. So something happened when you're in the eighth week of fetal development. Maybe when your mom found out she was pregnant, she maybe was a bit shocked or whatever. Oh, I wasn't expecting another baby. <laughs> and, and somehow there's an adjust, a shock that goes in it that can accelerate or retard sometimes the development. Whenever there's a congenital anomaly, there's usually more than one. I don't know if you ever had any webbed fingers or any other congenital things, but usually if there's one, there's another. Oh, wow. Well, I know, I I, I think it's a car, well, I think it's linked to with my mom. My mom works in the kidney renal unit, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was something. She, she was probably, a nurse. She probably had all her anxieties and, and probably neuroses having to see all that, wondering how your kids are going to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the point is that but there, you took action instead of just subordinating. If you go to a surgeon, they're going to take something out. And I don't yeah. believe we have an excess of organs and deficiency of drugs in the world. 
Yeah. I haven't taken drugs. I don't do drugs. Yeah. You know, I just I just had some dental work down there. And he says, here's your here's your opium and here's your things and your sedimentary. I said, I'm not taking that stuff. <laughs> you're you're not going to take any of that stuff. It's going to be painful. I said, you're going to do a local anesthesia on the thing. So it's not going to be that big deal. And I and I haven't called him up. I, this just happened yesterday. I just had a thing some done on the on the gum, and it was interesting. He said he says most people want that. He says I don't want to take an opium. Why would I want to take opium? <laughs> drugs it doesn't make any sense to me. If I really need it, I'll take it. But it's, I I've gone fifty years. I haven't had it, so I don't need that. It's not what's been my thing. I don't take aspirin. I don't have a headache. I've had three headaches my entire life. Two when I was bark mulch i was putting it out on a big lawn thing i did bark mulch one time working in the yard i got all this inhaled dust i got a bit of a headache from that and then when i was buying a house i didn't want to buy i had a headache i had an internal <laughs> conflict i've had three headaches in 50 years and two bark mulches and one buying of a house i didn't want to buy but my wife wanted to buy it i just didn't think it was a wise buy but we had an argument but the point is the and we can't you can't win with a wife on a buying of a house <laughs> <laughs> but once I got to done, I'd done, I, my headache went away, but it was my internal conflict. It, there's, I, I had a reason. I was inhaling something that was toxic and I was mm -hmm. had an internal conflict. There's a reason for a headache in those cases, but it's not something I take something for. I learn from that. I go, okay, wear a mask. Okay. I didn't wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And two, if I'm going to do it or hire somebody, I, I haven't done it. I haven't done that in 40 years now. I hire people to do that stuff. I'm, I'm, I delegate everything I mean, it's all, <laughs> and and I don't have a conflict with the house. I just speak up or I'll say, if, you know, if I have a house, I'll, I'll mm. I, I had 11 houses at one time because my wife owned houses at work. Wow. I, 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 she passed away. They're all gone. I have oh. one ship. I own a big ship, you know, as I travel around the world now. And that's it. That's the only thing I own now. It's all simplified today. <laughs> That's wow. That's amazing. It just shows the power of when we don't trust ourselves, the body's going to show us that. And yeah. um, I did want to ask you, how can we tap into our unique genius? Well, our unique genius is sitting there ready, ready at all times. And each individual has a set of priorities that it, that they live their life by. Things that are most important are least important and or values. Anytime you live by highest values, your self-worth goes up. Anytime you live by lower values, your self-worth goes down. So if you're living by your highest values and you're prioritizing your life and delegating lower priority things like I try to teach people, all of a sudden you've got more inspiration, you're in the flow, um, you have your executive center governing your amygdala, you're not distracted, your self-worth is up, your creativity is maximized, your autonomic nervous system is, is homeostatic. I mean, you, your flow, you have things working. So it's living by priority. If you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, your day is designed to fill up with low priority distractions that don't, and that's where illness comes from. That's where mm -hmm. our problems come from. So if you want to get started on it, start prioritizing. On my website, drdmartine.com, there's a value determination process. It's free, it's private. Please, whoever's listening, go to the, do the determination. Just go drdmartine.com, determine your values, hit it, click it, do this exercise. It's 30 minutes of your time. Be an eye-opener. It'll print it out for you. It'll store it for you. Come back and do it again if you want in the future as your values are changing. But do that and then start to prioritize your life. I wrote a book called The Values Factor to try to guide people and also my new book, The Seven Secret Treasures, about how to do that. Please take the time to do it. I've helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people do prioritization and get themselves on track. 
it makes a huge difference. It helps them in business. It helps them in their economics. It helps them in their health. It helps them in their relation. It helps them. When you're going home and you've been, you've been on top of the world, it's easy. You can be resilient when you come home and you're appreciative. Mm-hmm. If you put out fires all day long and did low priority stuff, you're going to be a bear when you get home. If they did the same, you're having clash. A lot of stress comes because, and the stress is a feedback to let us know we aren't prioritizing. We're not living authentically. Our highest, our most ontological identity revolves around what we value most. Our epistemological pursuit of knowledge revolves around that. Our teleological purpose revolves around our highest value. Identifying that is the key to having a purpose, to having meaning in life, being inspired by life, grateful for life, and productive and intelligent. Can you tell us a bit more about your book, The Seven Secret Treasures? Treasures. <laughs> well, The Seven Secret Treasures, the seven areas of life, our spiritual quest, our inspired mission, our mental quest, our genius, our business quest, our service, our financial quest, our independence, our relationship quest, our love and intimacy, mm-hmm. our social quest, our leadership and, and influence, and our physical quest, our vitality, youth, and longevity. I'm interested in helping awaken all of those seven areas. And in this book, it's the highest priority actions that I believe a person can do to empower those areas in life. So you've got all of them working on on the way, not in the way, and empowering those areas. So I've been I've been wanting to look, I when I was 18 years old, I wanted to master life. I defined life in those seven areas. And I have been studying all these years on how do I maximize those seven areas. Because to me, if if I asked a woman, I don't know if you're married or single, but if I asked you and you're single. I don't know if you're, are you married or single? I've got a partner. <laughs> well, at one time you were probably single. And when you were single, when and if I asked you, what are you looking for in a guy? You would probably say somebody that's handsome and fit and, and attractive. In case I ever had children with them, I would want to look at those children. And I go, ah! <laughs> right? Somebody that's fit. Somebody's got nice spot. Then you're also looking for somebody who's intelligent. You're looking for somebody who's ambitious, got some sort of ambition, doesn't just sit and watch, you know, TV all day. You're looking for somebody that's that's got more resources or at least as much resources as you financially. You're looking for somebody that loves you and wants to be with you. You're looking for somebody that's got social savvy. So if you brought them out and socialized with people, they can relate to people. They're not just a dud and that they've got social influence. And you're looking for somebody that's inspired, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody that's got something to live for. You put those together, you got a good catch. And so people are looking for somebody that empowered in all those areas. Why? because they want an advantage to empower those areas in their own life. So this book, The Seven Secret Treasures, is how to access the seven powers in your life, the wow. seven powers. Wow, wow. So it's almost, I guess, like a mirror of who we are. Exactly. Because those areas are going to reflect how authentic you are. If you're mm-hmm. not authentic, it's going to decay. If you are authentic, it's going to be inspiring and grow those areas. That's that's fascinating. And where can the listeners find your book? Well, they, I, I'm sure on Amazon you can get it. Just go on, just go Dr. Demartini. Seven, the Seven Secret Treasures. And um, what are your five top tips for somebody who wants to master their mind, but they don't really know where to start? That's a good start. I, I mean, <laughs> the, the, between that and the values factor, those are two I can tell people they'll benefit by. The values factor is about how to do that, but the Seven Secret Treasures is specifically for those seven areas. Mm. Um, what are you most grateful for? Well, <laughs> I've got the largest gratitude list of anybody probably on earth. 
if, if you can find somebody that's got more than mine, mine's 33 volumes of gratitude. If I keep a record every day of everything that I get to do, every interview I do, every podcast, every movie, everything I'm, I'm involved in writing a book, editing or whatever, uh, lunches, people I meet, thank you letters coming in, anything that I'm grateful for that I have the opportunity to experience through my senses or actions, I document every single day. I have 33 volumes. Some volumes are 900 pages. They're one inch margins, 10 point print. So I'll tell you how many I have. I do it every day of my life. And it is when somebody sees it, they go, oh my God, <laughs> 33 volumes. But I, I think it's so powerful what you're saying. Like I know it's 33, but I feel like the more we are grateful in our day, the more abundance comes and the more happiness we feel because a lot of the time humans don't appreciate what they have. Well, my mom told me I was born on Thanksgiving Day. I'm, I'm about to have a birthday. It's, it's going to be one day off from Thanksgiving this year. Every so many years it's on Thanksgiving Day. But <clears throat> uh, my mom told me when she was putting me to bed when I was four, said, son, make sure you count your blessings. Those that are grateful for what they have get more to be grateful for. I have been a believer of that and I've been documenting gratitudes for decades. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Hmm. My last question for you is, what shines your inner light? Well, me doing what I love doing every day and getting to do that. I guess when I, like right now, we're, we're doing what we love doing. That's, that's what matters. That's the shining of the inner light. I love research. I do, I do four things. Teach, research, and write, and travel. That's mm -hmm. it. Everything else is delegate. So I have cooks. I have pilots. I have captains. I have chauffeurs. I have somebody that cleans. I have everything that I do. I anything that requires a motivation from the outside. I hire people. I don't want to have to be motivated. I am inspired from within, intrinsic motivation, and that is what I teach, research, write, travel. That's it. I delegate everything. Even my girlfriend, I said, look, if I had Hugh Jackman or or George Clooney making love with you on my behalf, would you still love me? And they say, we would love you even more. So I <laughs> no, I'm joking about that. But the point is, I don't get it. Because I learned that anytime I'm doing lower priority things, I devalue myself. Why would I want to devalue myself? Why would I want to spend my day doing something that doesn't inspire me? Doesn't make sense. And people say, well, that's because you're wealthy and you can afford it. No, I became wealthy because I did that. I became wealthy because I did that. And I stuck to what I do, which is teaching. And I do it every day. And I've reached millions of people every year because of that. And I've been blessed with books, and movies, and speaking, and I mean, just blessed. And I keep record of all of it. And I get to meet people like you. I get to meet all these people around the world, amazing people that are out there doing amazing things and surround myself with that every day. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Martini, for being on the show and just trusting yourself from within and just listening to, to that inner voice that, you know, you knew you could change your life and that's what you've done and you've done it for millions of other people. Yeah, well, I've been blessed and, it, and it's everybody, no matter what, I'll, I'm going to say something to everybody here, whoever's listening, the magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you'll ever impose on yourself. Don't compare yourself to somebody else and put them on pedestals or pits, put them in your heart. Have a reflective awareness through, through introspection and discover that whatever you see in outside world is you. It's all a reflection and start prioritizing your life. You will be more objective, more inspired, more intrinsically driven, 
and you won't need some motivation and say no to anything less than what your dream is and say yes to your dreams and prioritize your day every day to get that done. You'll say thank you and you'll make a amazing contribution and you'll exemplify what's possible for other people and that will inspire. And the most fulfilling thing we can ever do is do something that makes a difference in people's lives and we get a thank you from. So make sure you're counting your blessings and thank yous of all the people you've served. That is very fulfilling to do that. Ooh, that's so powerful. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely blown away by this episode. It's just so important to really heal and listen from within and to to listen to what our body needs. So many of us just are listening externally, but not internally from within. And the key is to just go within and just heal what needs to be healed. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. As soon as you trust yourself, you will know how to live. That's a quote by Johann Wolfgang. Take care, my sisters. Bye. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at gerdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.